to turn in your pew Bibles to uh, John 21. We're going to return to our study of Romans next week. We'll be on the last chapter of Romans, Romans 16, um, next Lord's Day. But hear God's word, John 21, page 907 of our pew Bibles. This is the word of God. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. For they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. Uh, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for giving to us your word, your holy word, inspired, inerrant, infallible. Thank you that all of scripture points us to Christ. Lord, we pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would be at work in our hearts and minds so that we might not only have a deeper understanding of scripture, but a growing love for Christ. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this is the time of year uh, when we start receiving special invitations in our 
mailboxes, and yes, in our email inboxes, we receive invitations to high school and college graduations, to weddings, to housewarming parties. It's exciting still to open the invitation. Yes, I prefer the the written ones. You know, you see your name there in special lettering. Uh, When we see, though, the time, the date, and the location on the invitation, we start to make preparations for that special event. Well, here in John chapter 21, verse 12, we, we see and we hear Jesus making a gracious invitation to his disciples. John 21, 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus is making an irresistible invitation to his disciples. You know, the risen Christ is now calling his hesitant followers to come and share a meal of broiled fish, fresh fish, hot bread. Who could say no to an invitation like that? You know, but more importantly than inviting them to a bountiful breakfast, you know, we hear Jesus graciously calling his followers, and that includes us, to feed on him in faith. And so it's not only an invitation to those seven disciples, but it's an invitation to us to feed on him in faith. And here this morning, you know, let us see that Jesus, our risen Savior, still graciously invites us to feast with him. Now, what must we know about Jesus' gracious invitation? Uh, Breaking from pattern here, the five truths here. We'll see a gracious revelation, a recognition, a repast, and I'll explain that. Fourth, redemption, and then a reminder. We begin, though, with a gracious revelation of Jesus. I invite you, encourage you to follow along in your own Bibles, your pew Bibles here, John 21. You know, it begins with these words, after this. You'll see that phrase seven times in John. It's a a time marker. You know, it shows us that God has a sovereign plan and schedule uh, for all his plans of redemption After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples. You see that that word revealed or manifested, you know, three times just in this one chapter. Two times in verse 1, and then we'll see it again in the closing verse, verse 14. Jesus revealed himself. Jesus graciously displayed himself. His, his glory, you know, that this truly was the Son of God. This truly was the Savior of sinners. And G. Campbell Morgan puts it this way. It was a manifestation of intention and purpose in the mind of Jesus. And Jesus revealed himself there at the Sea of Tiberias. We also know it as the Sea of Galilee. And he revealed himself there to the seven disciples. You can do the math there. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and that was James and John, and 
Then in John's gospel, he chooses not to name two of the disciples. And as Jesus is preparing to reveal himself again to the disciples, what does Simon Peter do? There in verse 3, he makes a proclamation. Literally, I go a-fishing. I'm fixing to go fishing. And all the other disciples say, well, we're going to go with you. You know, so they go out together. These seven fishermen get into, get into one boat. And the question you might be asking, I asked, you know, why would these disciples go fishing now? You know, they, they've been following Christ for three years. They, they've already witnessed the risen Christ. You know, why go fishing? You know, a few explanations. Some make the argument that they were forsaking Christ at that point, and I don't believe that bears weight, scriptural weight. You know, others say, well, they had free time on their hands. You know, what, what can we do? You know, let, let's go fishing. I believe the best explanation is they had a financial need. You know, they needed money to, to live on. And so this had been their profession uh, beforehand, before Christ called them to follow him, and so they return to fishing. But there's a problem, you know, with these seven fishermen. They went out there, the last part of verse 3, they went out, got into the boat, but that, that night they caught nothing. Empty coolers. You know, what, what a disappointment for fishermen, maybe even a little bit of humiliation here. Uh, th- this seems to be a spiritual low point for these disciples after Jesus' resurrection. You know, we, we would think, okay, it's all peaches and cream, best life now after Jesus has risen from the dead, but, you know, they're, they're returning to their profession and their... Um, they can't put their bat on the bull. But look throughout Scripture, and let me give you a few examples. You know, others who suffered, struggled, you know, after great spiritual victories. You know, we think a lot about the ark, you know, God, Noah building the ark, sparing Noah and his family in the ark. You know, but what happens after the ark lands on solid ground? Noah became drunk. Genesis 9-11. You know, after all his military victories, King David stayed home and committed the sins of adultery and murder. There in 2 Samuel 11. You know, the Lord heard and answered the prayers of King Hezekiah for God's deliverance and then for healing from a a deadly disease. God answered those prayers. You know, but then what did King Hezekiah do? He boastfully, he sinfully boasted of his wealth, and Isaiah prophesied God's judgment, righteous judgment upon him, 2 Kings 19 and, and chapter 20. You know, or you think of Judas, you know, Judas who had been with Jesus, you know, all, all of those years, three years, along with the other 11. Judas was there when Jesus washed his feet. Judas was there at the Lord's Supper. 
And yet he was the one who betrayed Christ. In his holy word, you know, Jesus graciously reveals himself to us, whether we're fishermen, firefighters, teachers, engineers, homeschooling, parents, retired folks. And the gracious revelation of Jesus gives us great hope in times of seeming failure. So first lesson, a gracious revelation of Jesus. Now in verse 4, there is a gracious recognition of Jesus. You know, I I love all the details in this chapter of, of John, and they're all significant. You know, as the day was breaking, you know, first light, you know, we, we ought to think back to Resurrection Sunday. You know, when, when the women left their homes while it was still dark, arrived there at the tomb at first light. And what do they see? They see Jesus standing on the shore, yet these disciples do not know that it is Jesus. Whether it was the darkness, the haziness, I believe that that Jesus veiled their eyes so they could not yet recognize Jesus until that proper time. And and yet Jesus is standing. That's a position of authority. And Jesus now speaks with loving patience to his disciples. There in verse 5. Intimate words. The word children, hard word to to put into modern English, children or lads or friends. And then Jesus asks them a question. ESV puts it uh, this way, children, do you have any fish? Literally, um, it can be translated, boys, you haven't anything to eat, do you? You know, that, that emphasis... Not only are they frustrated, but they're hungry. You know, they thought, man, we're going to catch fish, bring them home. We'll have something to eat right away. You know, do you have any fish? A humbling question for professional fishermen. And they give an honest reply. What do they say? No. I'm guessing those were hard words for them to say. Well, fish weren't biting today, bad wind, light, waves were too big. But they simply said, no. And then Jesus gives them a a, a command, I believe a hopeful command there in verse 6, a heartfelt command from Christ to his followers. Cast, throw your nets on, on the right side, the other side of the boat, and you will find some. And so it's not only a command, but there's, there's a promise there. Do this, and, and you will catch fish. And what do they do? They promptly obey this unknown stranger. Keep in mind, they still don't know. They, they, didn't, they do not yet recognize Jesus. So what happens? Their empty nets become full of fish. Seven strong fishermen could not haul in that catch. You know, remember we've witnessed a similar miracle. If you've read through the Gospels, Luke chapter 5, there's a great catch of fish. There's parallels, but 
All good reason to believe there are two separate miracles of Jesus here in Scripture. There's another account in Matthew's Gospel where Jesus is to pay his temple tax and uh, Jesus tells Peter to go catch a fish and uh, he will find a coin in his mouth, a drachma. And so actually the fish there in the Sea of Galilee still to this day are known as St. Peter's fish. All good reason to believe they're tilapia for those of you who are fishermen. And tilapia are mouth breeders. They have big mouths. Uh, but here they're, they're, it's a big catch of fish. You know, and then they're glad responses. Beginning there in verse 7, that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, referred to earlier, John 13, 53. He joyfully cries out to the Peter, it is the Lord. You know, John is that one who recognizes that it, that it is Jesus, it is their risen Savior and Lord. And you have to love Peter's impulsive response uh, he, he that heard it was the Lord. You know, he heard John's words. And he put on proper clothing to greet the Lord. He was stripped down to his underwear, and language is a little bit challenging here. Either he put on another cloak to cover himself or, or tucked his present clothing in, in the proper places so he... Uh, could present himself before the Lord, but then he threw himself into the sea. You know, just that beautiful little expression. Oh, wait till we sail in, hit the shore, then I'll step out. He, He was so eager to see his risen Lord that he he threw himself into the ocean, and they were, or the Sea of Galilee, and they were still a hundred yards off. Don't forget, you know, that this was the same Peter who vowed never to deny Christ and then publicly denied him three times. One of our last images of Peter as an individual is Peter weeping bitterly. And what a stark contrast from Peter weeping bitterly over his denial of Christ and now we see Peter throwing himself into the sea, racing towards his risen Savior. That's what the gospel ought to do to our our lives, our walk of faith. It's not the exception. I believe it's a great gospel example for us today. You know, but hear this insight about Jesus from Mark Johnson. Jesus was revealing to them again his sovereign control over the very elements of nature and over the lives of his people. And the only response, you know, was adoration. You almost have to smile there with the next verse. Verse 8, you know, Peter throws himself into the sea, races to Christ. And where are the other Six disciples, the other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish. Hey, Peter, where are you going? We need your help drawing in these nets full of of fish, bringing them to the shore. 
a gracious recognition of Jesus. Uh, If you're like me, uh, I'm guessing that you've had the experience uh, of encountering a a dear friend, maybe a family member, and they're in an unexpected place. You know, and and you're looking at their face, and, and you can't remember the name, their name, that's the embarrassing part, and then, then all of a sudden that light bulb comes on in your head. Oh, you know, that's my cousin Norm. You know, or, or my high school friend, who, whoever it might be. You know, and, and we gladly recognize them. Oh, that's you. Great to see you. We say with all the uh, genuineness we can muster, They didn't recognize Jesus at first. But think of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. You know, on on that first Resurrection Sunday evening, they were walking with Jesus. Jesus was preaching to them. They did not recognize Jesus. Again, I believe that uh, the Holy Spirit was at work, so their eyes were veiled. You know, but then later on in that account in Luke 24, they recognized Jesus when he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. But along with focusing on Peter, may we, like the Apostle John, loudly and lovingly cry out, it is the Lord. Praise God, it is the Lord when we see him revealed in scripture. But may we too, like Peter, be ready to run or swim uh, to our risen Lord and beloved Redeemer. But, but there, the application here is we can never be indifferent to Jesus. A gracious revelation, a gracious recognition. Third, a gracious repast. There in verse 9, repast, a meal. Yes, I'm stretching it a little bit with alliteration here, uh, but repast has French origins, and so I knew it would be a friendly congregation. Uh, They had breakfast with Jesus on the shore of Galilee. You know, I I love John 21, verse 9, all of Scripture, you know, but it's a beautiful biblical picture. You you can almost close your eyes and picture this scene in in your mind. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. what, What a sweet picture. Scriptural picture. All the disciples step foot on the solid ground. They see, you know, if you've ever been camping, this is a perfect cooking fire. You know, not blazing, but just red-hot coals with broiled fish ready to be served. They don't even have to wait for it to be cooked along with bread and believe it was fresh bread. You know, the scriptural scene shows us Jesus' preparation for this early morning meal. Yes, it's dawn, you know, but but you wind the clock back, you begin to think, how long does it take to get that fire ready? 
Only, only Jesus knew where the fish came from, whether he just held out his hand and told the fish, you know, come on. It had the bread ready. You know, it shows us Jesus' gracious care for his disciples, for us. You know, and these were hungry disciples. That, that's implied here. Jesus knew they would be tired and hungry. Side note, he does not serve sushi. I'm not a fan of sushi, by the way. This is broiled fish. You know, he doesn't give them stale bread. Freshly broiled fish. Fresh bread for them to enjoy. You know, this meal would outshine even the best Cracker Barrel breakfast. And then Jesus gives a second command there. Verse 10. And Jesus said to them, bring, that's the command, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. You all bring this. It's, it's a command given to all the disciples. Bring some of the fish from the full net on the shore. You know, why, why would Jesus ask that question? He already has fish on the fire. Do they need more fish to eat? You know, at the very least, we can say it's Jesus' purpose to have the disciples involved, to take part in this meal. You know, this is not just a handout. You, as followers of Christ, will be vitally involved, will be laboring in this kingdom work. And again, we see Peter's impulsiveness, but his prompt obedience. In in verse 11, Peter, the disciple who's prone to act or speak first and then think about it later. You know, but we can commend him here because he doesn't wait for someone else to start serving. So often we as Christians, I as a Christian, well, I'll let someone else do that first. Or we see someone doing it, and then we recognize, oh, I ought to be serving the Lord as well. But, but here, Peter you know, immediately heeds Christ's command. And so Peter went aboard or stepped out, and, and it seems by himself he hold the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. You know, hard to do the math here. You know, tilapia, 12 inches or so, two or three pounds. So you have, you know, it takes a strong man. And yet Peter here is serving Christ by, you know, this net that had already been dragged to the shore, already there. But now Peter pulls that net out of the water onto the shore and being professional fishermen, what do they do? You know, how many fish can we sell today? Let's count them. Make sure we have the right count. So they count every last one, 153. And no, I don't think there's any symbolism to the number 153. It's just an exactness here to the scriptural account. You know, and one more detail. And the net was not torn. If you go back to the account in Luke 5, the, the nets are torn. Why, why is that good news for the, for the fishermen, for the disciples? Torn net, 
Nets are expensive. It takes a lot of work to repair the net. And God, even in this small detail of grace, keeps the nets from being torn by this huge catch. You know, I, I believe, you know, here in, in this verse, we, we witness Peter's readiness to be reconciled to Christ after his denial. And if you read ahead, John 21, beginning with verse 15, you know, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. You know, Jesus was preparing Peter, you know, to be reconciled, to be repentant, to to prepare Peter, Peter for the gospel ministry. You know, even in this significant scriptural detail here. You know, and Peter bringing the fish shows his, his heart of love for Christ. He is a servant of Christ, a humble servant. You know, when our family goes on vacation, I don't know where it came from, it may have been me, but uh, we love to go out for breakfast, a big breakfast. In fact, I think if we were to go out for any meal during the day, uh, you can ask Glenn, ask our children. They would say, let's go out for breakfast. And uh, so we'll do some research, digging, and we'll find a, a, local, a local spot. And um, look at the menu. You know, and we like all sorts of things, pancakes, waffles, omelets, grits, bacon, Biscuits with sausage and gravy. Lynn likes Eggs Benedict, uh, for the record. You know, but, but think about eating a great breakfast with our gracious Savior. You know, I, you know, I believe it's a scriptural foretaste of what it's going to be like in heaven. And yes, I believe we'll be eating in heaven, not gaining weight. Won't have to wash the dishes afterwards either. You know, that we'll be enjoying a, 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 a glorious meal with our, our great and gracious Savior. And lest you think, well, that's just here, you know, ladies are going through Exodus. You know, God, God provided manna every day, six days, except on that Sabbath day. You know, God sent ravens, you know, to bring Elijah meat and bread in the morning and in the evening when he was in the wilderness. He drank from the brook Cherith. It's there in 2 Kings 17. Again, Mark Johnson helps us here. He writes, hence this seemingly trivial provision of a meal on a beach was but another reminder that Christ had taken care of their greatest need, a need for their souls. If if Jesus cares about these disciples catching fish and not being frustrated, if he cares, tends to their hunger by providing fish and bread, fresh fish, fresh bread, you know, how much more does he, he show his love for us at, at the cross of Calvary? 
You know, in his death for our sins, his suffering in our place, his resurrection from the grave, as we all studied this morning in Sunday school, 1 Corinthians 15. It helps us understand verses like this, Philippians 4.19, And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. All of our needs. Need for food, need for housing, need for clothing, medical needs. Yet Jesus sees our deepest need. Jesus cares about our deepest need. Jesus provides for us. A gracious repast with Jesus. Now verse 12, there's a gracious redemption by Jesus. Revelation, recognition, repast. Now a gracious redemption by Jesus. You know, for the second time, now Jesus speaks to his disciples. He, he gives that command of verse 12, come, come and have breakfast. You know, it, it's an invitation you cannot refuse, irresistible grace. You know, come and have breakfast with the Savior. Come. If you want to do your own study of scripture, see how many times Jesus says, come. Matthew 4, 19, come after me. That's his call to his disciples. Come follow me. Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me, all who are, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, that, that gracious invitation by Jesus. And now come to breakfast, eat and enjoy this freshly broiled fish and bread. It's a memorable meal. Uh, you know, it's a verse I, I've read, but it was listed in one of the commentaries. I had never thought about it this way before. Acts chapter 10, verse 39 through 41. Acts 10, verse 39 And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging on a tree, but God raised him from the dead. God raised him on the third day and caused him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses. And then hear this, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. You know, right, right there with mentioning the, the resurrection of Christ, you know, they, they proclaim this truth. We ate and wrote, we ate and drank with him, you know, after he rose from the dead. You know, so that this truth is pointing us to God's gracious work of redemption. You know, come, Jesus said, come and have breakfast with me. You know, if we were to paraphrase Jesus' command so that um, Cajuns could understand it, and I'll do my best with pronunciation, you know, manger, you know, come on and eat. Food's ready. Table's spread. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. You all come and feast 
You know, it's a word of gospel hope. Whenever you see that in scripture, it's a word of gospel hope. Jesus sees our our need, our hunger, our our hopelessness. It's even there in the Old Testament. I'll give you one example, Isaiah 55, verse 1. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. And it goes on from there. You know, come. No, that, that's Jesus' gracious invitation that, that is still sounding from his lips today. You know, come. You know, come to Christ. You know, thought this morning when, you know, or this week, selecting hymns just to have hymns that have that word, come. There's a lot of them. Come ye sinners, poor and wretched. Come ye disconsolate, where'er ye languish. Come people of the risen king. And, and yet what do the disciples do? There, there's a little bit of hesitation back to John 21, last part of verse 12. You know, at first they didn't recognize Jesus. John cried out, it is the Lord. Peter ran to him. They, they see Jesus there by the fire. And uh, presumably they recognize him and they hear his words there, his gracious invitation, verse 12. But striking, last part of verse 12, now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? You know, they knew it was the Lord. You know, not even Peter, you know, who, who jumped into the Sea of Galilee, swam to Jesus you know, dare to ask this vital question. You know, who are you? I believe they're recognizing God's word and spirit is at work is they are growing in their understanding of who Jesus truly is, risen Savior, glorious King. But they knew it was the Lord. You know, that, that's a profession of faith. They knew that this was Jesus who died for their sins on the cross. And you know, we see the heart of Jesus here in this gracious redemption by Jesus. Verse 13, Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and so with the fish. You know, it almost sounds as if it's a communion meal. And, and certainly there are those distant notes of a communion meal here. Jesus compassionately comes to his disciples to serve them breakfast. You know, but indeed, was not all of Jesus' earthly ministry one of humble service with the Savior's heart? Washing their feet before the Passover meal, laying his life down in love at the cross. And so Jesus takes the bread. You know, Jesus here is the waiter, the servant. Jesus takes the bread, gives it to them, serves them. And we, we, we have a picture of that in our communion service. Our, our elders are serving in the name of Christ, serving the congregation, the bread and the cup. And so with the fish, you know, come people. Come, 
We still hear that that call of Christ today. You know, we we sang of it. I won't read all of it. Certainly won't sing it. But the second verse of "Come, people of the risen King." In your bulletin, come, those whose joy is morning sun and those weeping through the night, come, those who tell of battles won and those struggling in the fight. You know, that's us. Battles won, still struggling. Jesus says, come. And he serves us. You know, the gospel is there in in one verse, there in John 21, verse 13. Jesus Son of God who graciously serves us as sinners. His incarnation, his sinless life, his sacrificial death. And last verse here, quickly, uh, John 14. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples. It's there in John 21, 1. Two times now in John 21, verse 14, biblical bookends, an inclusio here. Jesus had showed himself to the the disciples the first time. The ten of them, Judas was not there, Thomas was not there. And then eight days later, he showed himself, revealed himself again to the disciples. And Thomas was there. And remember, Thomas was the one who doubted, wanted to you know, put his fingers or see the nail prints in his hands, put his hand in Jesus' side. Why three times? Calvin helps us here. He writes, the evangelist, that is John, therefore means that Christ had been seen by the disciples at intervals in order to confirm their belief in his resurrection. The third time. And this third time is the climatic time of seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. His heart for humble service to those who are hungry and hopeless. He he gives. Quick illustration. Uh, Just last night, a dear Christian sister in Christ was called home to be with the Lord, Shirley Hammerly. No, we'll see her in glory. I met Shirley and her husband Dale back in 1977. My first job, ministry position, was a, as a youth director at First United Methodist Church, Cory, Pennsylvania. Small town. I was looking for a suitable apartment, single at the time, and so uh, Shirley and Dale said, "Well, come, just you know, stay at our house with us." You know, they had a, a nice house overlooking a beautiful lake there, Finley Lake. And so it was great staying with uh, Shirley and Dale. But to add, you know, this is Lanya up. Every morning, Shirley made me breakfast. You know, I didn't ask her, but that was just her heart. Make a nice breakfast for me and put it on the table where I could look out their picture window and see Findlay Lake. Almost didn't want to find an apartment, but uh, uh, that, that's who they were. Um, and that was, again, before Lynn and I married. Lynn said she spoiled me, and she did. 
but that was Shirley's heart, a heart of service. You know, after church on Sunday, she would about invite everybody to the at church to her house, certainly guests. And Shirley would, she would never even know what she was serving. Well, I'll figure it out when I get home, and she would. No one lacked for food. And the last truth about her, she always stood. You know, Shirley, come sit and enjoy. And she always stood. I mean, always ready to serve. What do you need? How can I help? You know, and beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, on this Lord's Day, let us always rejoice in our risen Savior. You know, may the Lord use each one of us, you know, to share the good news of the gospel of Christ, you know, with hungry, hopeless, hurting sinners all around us, so that they too might feast in faith upon Jesus, Son of God, Savior of sinners. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who not only fed the crowds and his disciples with earthly food, but more importantly, he fed them and us spiritually, Lord, with the living bread, with the cup of salvation. Lord, thank you that you indeed are the God who supplies all of our needs according to your riches and glory. Thank you especially that you supply us with our need for forgiveness of sins, to be reconciled with Christ, to know the hope of heaven by grace through faith in Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.